Well, we're glad you're here tonight for our last night of missions conference. And uh, even though it may feel like there's a small number here, when you start counting up all the people in the building, there's a lot of people here tonight. And Brother Jan's speaking to the children right now in Awana, and he'll come join us in just a few minutes. And I'm so thankful for opportunity we had today. He got to go and uh, share about what the Lord's doing and opportunities at a Christian school this morning. So that was a blessing to be able to go with him there, be able to spend some time praying this afternoon and looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Ask you to be in prayer tonight for the Johnsons. Just got a text from Anthony. They were having some car trouble this evening, so pray for them. Lord, to help take care of that. And um, thankful that God is good. I texted our friends that help us get the vehicle just now in the back, and uh, they said, yeah, bring it in tomorrow. We'll make sure we get it looked at and taken care of. So God's good, and He takes care of those things. But just be praying for them. I know they wanted to be with us this evening. And uh, others that are sick, I talked with several. I know Lewis, they've had sick ones in their house for the last several days, and just a lot of things going around. But aren't you thankful that we serve a God that even though we're weak, even though our cars break down, even though we don't have enough money, even though we get tired and we get sick, that God is still in charge. God's still good. God still loves us. And uh, this world around us is a really dark place, and even our own flesh is very weak. I was very sad yesterday, as I'm sure you were, as you saw the news coming out of New York as they um, even further stepped into um, killing babies. You know, it's now legal to take a child's life all the way until the moment that they're born. How sad. How sad. And people were rejoicing and clapping and cheering in the state houses that was passed yesterday. How sad. We need to pray for our country. Of course, we know this type of stuff has been legal for a long time. This is just even moving in an even worse direction. And so it's very sad. It is safer to be a convicted murderer in New York than it is to be a baby. And that's really the truth. They can't, uh, a murderer can't get a lethal injection, but a baby can. And uh, that's very, very sad that we live in a country where people rejoice about the killing of innocents. And so we need to be praying. We need to be sharing the gospel. The only true hope is Jesus. And that's how we ultimately can change hearts and lives and uh, we ought to go out, we ought to do our very best to promote good and stand for truth and stand for righteousness as we have the opportunity to do that. But throughout history, you read of Christians in places where they didn't have freedoms, and yet God's word still went forth, people still heard the gospels, people still could be saved. And so let's be praying, let's be faithful. We've been challenged this week about what makes up a healthy church and a church that is a praying church church that is evangelistic, that's sharing the gospel with others, and I'm looking forward to the message tonight as well. I know it'll speak to our hearts as God has spoken to us each night, but let's go to the Lord in prayer now, and uh, then Alan will come back. Father, we thank you for this night that we can come. We thank you for the boys and girls that are here in our midst, that are over in the next room listening and being challenged about how you can use them. Thank you for the scripture they're going to be studying and memorizing tonight. We thank you for all the teachers and workers that are ministering with the children tonight. Lord, we thank you for the adults and the young people that are gathered in this room tonight. Lord, challenge our hearts. Lord, as we look around in our society today, there are many things that can cause great concern, great sadness. 
Lord, help us to keep our focus on you, be obedient to you, that no matter how dark and difficult the days become, that we will continue to walk in obedience to your word, trusting you that even though someone could even take our very life, that if we have our hope in Jesus Christ, we are promised eternal life forever with you. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement and the peace that you give us that passes all understanding. If there's somebody here tonight, Lord, that doesn't understand that peace, that's never had that peace, that's never trusted in you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would do that tonight. Lord, for those of us who know you as Savior, I pray that we would walk truly understanding that you are our shepherd, that you want what's good for us, that you take care of our needs, and even though we may pass through the valley of the shadow of death, that you are with us, Lord, and you're there to comfort us and to protect us. Lord, bless all that's done in the service tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Al. Before we sing our third song, uh, Pastor Will asked me to spend a few minutes just talking tonight about our youth group ministry here at church. So just like Josh did a couple nights ago with the children and Tom did last night with the Awana program. And so I wanted to just take a couple of minutes for those of you who aren't familiar with what we've been doing uh, and talk about that. And then we'll sing our our uh, last song. This past summer at the end of the school year, so starting in June, we got to start our youth group here at church. And so what we do is we meet on Sunday nights during the Sunday school time, and we have class each, uh, each Sunday night, and then we have sort of periodic activities, one or two uh, per month that are just designed to help the kids to have fun. We just sort of get together. Sometimes we do it here uh, at the church. We've done some away from here, just little things that we can do together uh, to have a good time, to build relationships, and just to have an opportunity to enjoy good Christian uh, friends and fellowship and to be able to build that bond around, uh, around Christ and around the unity that we have in Christ. I remember being a teenager, you probably do too, and so friends are a very important thing. And so having a group of hopefully godly young people that our children can be with, our teenagers can be with, I think is very important. Our main goal and what we're trying to accomplish through our teaching uh, and through the sort of through the, the, the spiritual emphasis, if you will, of our youth group is for our teens to really be able to establish for themselves why they believe what they believe. Uh, I, I remember as you're coming through high school and on into college and sort of get out into the adult world, all of a sudden you're away from the influences that you had growing up. And of course, the young people that are in our church have predominantly good homes. They're coming from parents that love them, care for them, bringing them to church, uh, some of them in homeschool or other type of Christian education. Well, that kind of goes away once you're out of the home, as you're well aware. And so it's important uh, to, for our teens to understand why they believe what they believe, not just to sort of have a head knowledge of what their parents told them growing up or even what their church and their Sunday school teachers told them, but for them to really understand from God's Word itself why we do the things that we do. And so our curriculum is, uh, that we're using for Sunday school was put out by Answers in Genesis, which is a group that uh, has done a lot of really good work when it comes to the areas of creation, a biblical account of creation, the flood, all of the things that the Bible describes of how our earth got here, the events that have taken place, sort of bringing us up until now. They've done a lot of really good work in that space, in that arena, and they put together a great curriculum. It's three to four years, kind of depending on how you do it, and it takes you right from the very beginning, a very foundational, straight from Genesis chapter one, works you through sort of a 
broad overview, but works you all the way through the Bible by the time you're done with it. And our goal with using this is to help our teens, again, understand why we believe what we believe, why we do the things that we do as Christians, and where all of this is coming from. So we've gotten over the past several months to spend a lot of time specifically with creation. We've gotten to look at a biblical view of marriage. We've gotten to look at God's plan for the family. We've gotten to look at God's plan for mankind, why He put us here, what is our job, what is our goal, what are we here to do, all of these foundational things straight from God's Word. So I've enjoyed our study, and I hope our teens have too. And uh, so that's kind of the focus and the emphasis that we're doing uh, as we move forward here. So um, if you know of any kids who aren't uh, normally coming, if you would uh, in- help us, encourage them to come on Sunday nights if they need a ride or if you can provide one or if you can't, but if they would come, if they got a ride, talk to me. We'd love to try to figure out a way to get them here so that we can uh, hopefully be a part in helping those uh, teenagers grow in their relationship with God and further get them grounded in God's Word. So just let me know if there's anything like that, any teens that you're aware of, we'd love to try to help out with that. Last night I read a missionary letter to you from uh, the Fagali family, missionaries uh, working over mainly in the Middle East and in North Africa and working to help and start churches and share the gospel with people in countries that Many times you and I wouldn't be able to go into, at least not going in saying we're going in as missionaries. So they spent a lot of time training the native people of those countries how to share the gospel and what to do and uh, what the Bible says. Tonight I want to read to you a letter from another missionary family. This is from Dick and Janice Connor. And when I was growing up as a boy, known these missionaries for many years as well. They were serving in the country of Mongolia for many, many years and a very primitive way of living and very different than the way we live. And so after they retired, they didn't really retire. They just left Mongolia and now they are working with some Navajo Indian tribes in Arizona. And if you know anything about some of the Native American tribes and what goes on in those places. It's often a very dark place spiritually. Very little uh, work going on to share the gospel with some of these folks. And uh, so they have uh, started a church there. And so I'll share a little update of what's going on with them. He said, We had been concerned that the church at Hidden Springs has several families with children who would benefit from a youth ministry Furthermore, we couldn't help but be aware that our age and the distance from the church wasn't conducive to our increasing the time we spent with our dear friends. Well, our first new thing is that the Lord has brought a family to move here and to help us. This man has been ministering uh, to the people here uh, for 20-some years, taking trips back and forth, and he's earned their trust, and now he and his family have moved out to help them, and they are settling in and getting used to living out there, but they are already being a big help in helping to minister and reach the young people there, and uh, they're very thankful. They said, we've already begun to see our attendance grow on Sunday, and they're helping us to reach into different communities and schools in their areas. He said, a second new thing, he said, we've reached a point where we could begin 
doing some translation work. So they're translating a Bible into this native dialect that they use. They said, God has brought a new person onto our team, a qualified person to help us with this translation. We figured that we'd learn a great deal. And sure enough, we discovered a rather surprising depth of revision necessary to make our translation effective. So they'd already begun working on a translation. This individual's helping them to refine it. Every word of God is pure, isn't it? And it's so important when you're translating the word of God that you get it explained in or put into words in their native tongue, but have it be an accurate word that's really the accurate truth of God's word. And that's a really challenging thing when you're translating into people's native tongues. And uh, he says here, uh, please pray that God would give us wisdom and continue to help us as we refine this translation so that we could have accuracy, clarity, and naturalness of speech so that people can read it and understand it and it makes sense. Um, Let's see here. He says a, a third thing is that He is now, uh, Dick Connor is now teaching through the book of Revelation, he says, and preaching through this for the first time in his ministry life. He said it's the culmination of a study in the writings of the Apostle John. And while any preacher worth his salt always learns more than he can possibly teach, he and all of us are thankful for the blessings the Lord promises to those who read, hear, and keep the words of this special book. And uh, he said, would you please pray for our young people? We have, there are two activities that the young people really enjoy, basketball and rodeo. They sound kind of like Texas kids, but they live in Arizona. He said, these two interests, especially the former, tend to act as legitimate excuses for missing church, sometimes for weeks on end, and don't think that their parents will take the lead in encouraging their children spiritually. So please pray that this idol, God would remove this or put it to the side so that these folks would grow in the Lord. Of course, he also says, please pray for the translation team and uh, pray for good health for them and wisdom. And uh, please continue to pray for them as they continue on a work. And they're a wonderful, faithful couple and uh, somebody that I remember thinking they were old when I was little. And you know how it is when you're little, old people or anybody above about the age of 30. And uh, then when you get into your 30s, you just think they're still old, but they, you know, they haven't aged. But thankful that they're faithfully serving the Lord and they're going on for the Lord and keep praying for them as they, in their retirement, continue to serve the Lord. You can always serve the Lord. If God's got you here, He's got a purpose for you. Make sure that you're faithfully serving Him and considering what He might have for you. God can still change your direction even when you're in your 50s or when you're in your 70s. So thankful for faithful people. What a great example for us. Let's pause and pray for this family right now. And then Brother Jan's going to come and share with us the final time for this week. Lord willing, we'll look forward to more meetings in the future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts this week. You've challenged us. Lord, it's not been through the flamboyant energy of a personality but rather through the simple truth of your word and the Holy Spirit as you've convicted us and challenged us with your truth. And Lord, we thank you that you can use anybody, anybody that's willing, anybody that will humble themselves before you. 
Lord, we thank you for this couple, the Connors, and the way they're serving you now, even in their later years of life. We thank you for people that will walk by faith and go to hard places, places that others might shy away from. Lord, we, they've shared in here some needs for strength and wisdom. Lord, the ability to work with the youth, they felt like they were lacking in that area. Thank you for providing somebody to help them with that. Thank you for providing some more people to help them with the translation work they're doing. Lord, we pray for spiritual growth in the hearts of those who have trusted you as Savior. We pray for more people to be saved. We pray for this church to grow. And Lord, their faith and their walk with you to be an example to others. We love you. I pray that you'd bless our service tonight, the rest of it to come. Be with Brother Milton as he challenges us from your word. We thank you for your working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Jan. Uh, number 31. And Moses, com- uh, chapter 31 and verse 10 is where we'll start reading. Now, let's just rehearse just a moment what we've learned. First of all, we know that our official role in this world is to be ambassadors, right? What's our ministry? Reconciliation. In other words, God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Sunday night, from that same passage, uh, we learned that that which constrains us is the love of Christ. It's uh, like being put in a vice grip. It keeps us doing what we ought to be doing. Uh, Then Monday night, we talked about if you're going to be an evangelistic church, then you must be a prayer-based church. And Paul told Timothy, who was in a hotbed of evil in Ephesus, first of all, you pray. That's the very first thing you do. There is no answer to a world gone amok by sin. And that's, that's always the case. Uh, it's just more evident to us today because we see it firsthand uh, every day. It's around us. Uh, and it seems to be uh, in the media. Uh, and we, we just get... Uh, the, the best thing that you could do is limit your intake of the media. And that includes Fox, okay? Uh, I, some people can't come to church unless they get their first get their fix on Fox News, okay? Uh, and please keep in mind, Fox is the one that gave us that evil little fellow that was green. What was his name? I can't remember. I always forget his name. Uh, Simpson, Bart Simpson. They also produced some of the most vile TV shows you've ever seen in your life, Okay? Uh, and uh, stop listening to CNN, stop listening to Fox, stop listening to all this, and go read your Bible and pray, would you? You might walk away with a little better attitude in life, believe me, all right? You might even get to the point where you believe God's in control. By the way, let let me say this to you, all right? It has to go this way. 
we ought to be jumping up and down and screaming, yeah, we told you so. I remember all those leather-lunged preachers from 40 years ago that they preached about the beast and they preached from uh, every Friday night in a, uh, a revival meeting was always prophecy night. And they would bring out these topics on prophecy. And, and you know something? Those guys hit it pretty close. I mean, we are in uh, a, a real mess, you know. Uh, the Bible's a good book. The Bible is a current book. There's nothing antiquated about it. It's the only book on earth that everybody who is in sin loves to hate. You know why? Because it addresses every issue. Read all of the Asian sacred books. They don't say anything. Okay? Read the Koran. You can read it over and over and over and over. And there are, you're still not for sure exactly, but they don't ever use the Koran for, well, this is what the Koran says. You know why? Because it doesn't cover all the things that the Bible covers. Only the Bible covers every sin that man does. Okay? And so, therefore, it's a book to be feared. And they do fear it. That's why they try to get rid of it. They don't want it in the schools. They don't want one child to hear one word out of that Bible. Okay? Why? Because it is a book of great authority and power. So, we need to be in prayer if we're going to address that kind of world. If you're not on your knees in prayer, you can never address that world. Okay? Then, uh, last night... Uh, now i got to remember what I talked about. What was it? I've forgotten. Yeah, Job 42. Mine eye hath seen thee. Thank you. Uh, we need to have a good vision of God. You know, everybody talks about casting a vision. We want something that's big and, and something we can get involved in and we can sink our teeth into. The only vision you need that ought to be good is your vision of God and how he looks and where he is and what he's doing. A healthy church will have all of these things. But a healthy church also must have what's in Deuteronomy chapter 31 starting in verse 10. Why? Because our children are not following what we're talking about. This is a real danger. Because they look at us and they do not see us obeying God. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and, and I mean this with my whole heart. I've worked my life out to show my young men that there is a God and that he is powerful and that I believe in him. Listen to what he says. Let me set the table for this just a little bit though. This chapter is the beginning chapter of all of Moses' last words to Israel. Because in just a couple of chapters, God's going to take him to heaven. Okay? Uh, you see... 
uh, Moses made just a tiny error. He struck the rock twice. Now, when you know God, don't strike that rock twice. He did. In other words, he got angry because it didn't work the way he wanted it. But he knew everything about God. He had fought with the Israelites to do what God wanted. He had scolded them. He had pled with them. He had done everything. But all of a sudden, he did the wrong thing. And to whom much has been given, much shall be required. Moses knew that he had been given the power of God. He knew that God was with him and walked with him. Keep in mind, he asked God, may I look at you? Do you know anybody else in the, New, in the Old or New Testament that said that? And so God put him in a rock and just kind of passed by. Do you know what a privilege that was? He had received from God's hand while he was in God's presence the most important document that has ever been written, the Ten Commandments. He received the law of God. As a matter of fact, when he came down off the mountain, his face was so bright that they made him put a veil over that. Why? He had been in God's presence. You know? And it, it frightened the people. And by the way, in our 2 Corinthians passage that we studied, that very issue is brought out to demonstrate that people that are not right with God will have to have their faces hidden from him. And so the people looked at Moses and his face was so bright, it shone so brightly that they put a veil. And to this day for the nation of Israel, there is a veil. That's what Paul says in our passage in 2 Corinthians. But he hit that rock twice. He struck it twice. And God said to him, Moses, you're not going to enter into the promised land. You're coming home. Now, I don't know which would have been better. I might be, I might be going, oh boy, <laughs> you know, I'm going home. But there were things left to do. There were messages to be given. And what I'm about to read to you is Moses' last word, basically, to the children of Israel. Now, if you would tonight be thinking with me. If you knew that Saturday the Lord had planned that you would come home, you know it's going to happen. What would be your last words to your children? What would be your last words to your colleagues at work? Would you be afraid to tell them about God then? Would you be afraid to address them and say, Look guys, I'm going home. I'm going to be with God. I've only got a couple of days. It's urgent that I tell you exactly what I've got to tell you right this moment. And that's what Paul does. 
because you see he's about to turn over everything to a young man called Joshua, right? Oh boy, don't you? I don't, what, Moses called Joshua in and said, okay, you're it. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine if you were sitting there going, I'm what? <laughs> you're it. <laughs> and he says, okay. And God begins to give him, through Moses, instruction. And what we're about to read is the commemoration of Moses' homecoming, or homegoing, Joshua's appointment, and the nation of Israel's responsibility to hear the law of God. This is one of the most transitional passages in all of the Bible. Okay? So we're going to start reading in verse 10 now. Is everybody with me? You understand where we're headed? Okay. It's important. Always remember there's a historical context, a biblical context, a book context, and an immediate context. And I've tried to give you all of that. In verse 10, we read this. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law. In other words, every seven years, they're going to be brought together. And they're supposed to read the law that Moses has written. Read the chapters just before this. It talks about him reading the, writing the law. Gather the people together, men and women, and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. The stranger was not someone who was of Israel. They were outside of Israel. They could have been servants that were taken in war. They could have been people who... Uh, came into Israel wanting to convert to Israel. By the way, uh, Solomon talks about this when he built the temple. He said the temple was not just for Israel, but the temple was to be a testimony to all the people outside of Israel too, and so that they could come there and worship the Lord. And that's what he's talking about here, about it, the, the stranger that is in thy gate. That they may hear, that's number one, that they may learn, that's number two, and fear. Learning should come to fear. And that they may, uh, uh, to fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of his law. Four things I want you to think about here. Every good church ought to come together regularly and check themselves on these four things. Hear, learn, fear, do. Why do you do that? Listen to what he says. 
observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children might, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. These four things, these four things will make sure that your children follow you. They're very simple things. There's nothing here. I mean, they're just one-syllable words. Hear, learn, okay, fear, do. One-syllable words. We're not talking about massive theological words here. We're talking about possibly the simplest words that you can do. You hear whether you want to or not. Did you know that? You learn whether you want to or not. You fear naturally. And you're always doing something, even if it's just fidgeting. You know, it's like your son or daughter. Sit still now. Why? They're fidgeting. They're moving. Their hands are moving. One-syllable words. And yet these words will make sure that your children do likewise. Now let's talk about these words. It's very, very important. The first thing that you need to do, you know, when I got saved, I, I really got saved. And I went to church. I mean, I went right into church. After I got saved the first morning, I got saved on a Saturday night at a youth uh, thing. And the next morning, a revival. And, and the next morning, I was in a jail giving my testimony. And I thought, a jail? Yeah, the kids went to jail every Sunday morning. That's what the youth group did. Okay? And we gave our testimony, and we talked to the men. We had some get saved. One came out of the jail, came over to the church. We, I mean, the kids were so excited because he got right with God. He stayed in the church until the day he died. Were we excited? Oh, yes, we were. You know, and uh, if my preacher, I would go there and listen. And if my preacher said, you got to do your devotions on your head, I would have done everything I could to get on my head. Because I heard every word. I learned it. And I didn't want to displease him. And I didn't want to displease God. I feared the Lord. I revered him. And so I would do. So I would hear. I would learn. And the learning caused me to fear. Learn to fear. And then finally, I would do. And man, my preacher would preach. I never will forget. He preached, you got to win people to the Lord. Well, I didn't know any better. I took him at his word. you got to lead people to the Lord. So that day at lunch, my family didn't go to church. So I got home from church, and I'm sitting at the table, and we're eating, and I start telling them about Jesus. I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. I learned, and I feared, and I would do. You remember those days? Weren't those the good days? Weren't those the simple days? It just seemed like everything fell together. And, you know, there was no, remember, uh, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes says, Remember thy, 
um, creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not. You know what the evil days are. Because he's talking to people. He says the grinders. He's talking to a group of older people. Their teeth are not what they used to be. Do you know what I mean by that? Your teeth just aren't what they used to be. They were older. And you know, the older you get, the more worldly wise you become, don't you? And it's ten times harder to believe God. You sit there, out of the mouth of babes. My wife and I were driving down the road, and we were in a financial bind. And so we're talking about it and how we can cut here and what we can do here, you know, and so on and so forth. In the back seat, <laughs> you know, seven or eight years old. Well, Dad, shouldn't we pray about it? Eh, <laughs> hey, shut up, kid. You know, <laughs> I'm your dad. No, you just feel like, oh, no, <laughs> out of the mouths of babes. Why? It's what you do. When there's a problem, pray about it. We're too worldly wise for that, aren't we? We sit and think of all the terrible things that could happen. Uh, we uh, come up with reasons why God can't do it. You know, I mean, we're just really good because we're worldly wise. We've learned the wrong things. We've forgotten that God can do anything. Uh, it's amazing what God can do. And so we hear, we learn, we fear, we do. But then that day comes. You're sitting in church and God, you heard the message. You learned it. You know it's Bible. And all of a sudden the conviction sets in, right? Because every time you learn something about God, Conviction comes hard on its heels because you learn to fear. And here you are sitting there. All you've got to do is walk to the front of that aisle on your knees and say, Dear God, I'll do it. I'll do it. But they, you can go to the place where the fingerprints are still in the wood where you held on and refuse to surrender. And I tell you what, that disobedience will always come back to haunt. If you're sitting in a service, you know, I didn't know when I was first saved, I didn't know you weren't supposed to come forward. I just didn't realize that. Man, preacher to preach, he always hit me right between the eyes. He must have walked with me all week. And so, man, right out of the pews I'd come, right down, and I'd pray. And I knew, after a while, I learned that everybody goes, oh, here he comes again. I learned that. I didn't know it when I first started. Because to me, church was personal. The word was personal. But the older Christians, the more refined Christians, those that have reached a certain pinnacle and a plateau in their life of spiritual growth, they don't come forward. Well, it was a good message. Thank you, Pastor. I like that one. You stepped all over my toes. Yeah, it's too bad it didn't bring you to your knees. And all of a sudden, we just stopped doing. 
Now, every time we hear the conviction comes, the fear is there, but we've got to do something with it, and we're definitely not going to do it. So what do we do? We just simply don't. And we become very callous. And our fears, our convictions of what we're supposed to do begin to disappear. And before you know it, we're taking on new ways of life to, you know, well, you know, I, I used to believe this and I've heard this preach, but I no longer accept that and da-da-da. Why? Because those things were convicting us and we no longer want conviction. So all we do is we come and we learn. Did you know Baptists are great learners? I never will forget. I, I, we go to more seminars than anybody on face the earth. Uh, we have seminars on women. We have seminars on men. We have seminars on children. We have seminars on husband-wife relationships. We have seminars on husband-wife-children relationships. We have seminars on finances. Do I need to continue? Anybody that can come up to a, with a seminar, buddy, we'll be there. And it used to kill me. I don't know if they do this to you, but oh, man, as a pastor, they'd run my congregation run up to, and I loved them so much. They were such good people. God bless them. And uh, they would come up and they would say, Preacher, you got to bring this guy in. I was just at his seminar at this church, and he taught this. It was fantastic. I said, how much that seminar cost you? Well, I had to buy $43 worth of books. And then, of course, you give a love offering, you know, and things like that. I said, really? I said, were you in church three weeks ago when I preached that? I did it for free. <laughs> no, I didn't. Know. I don't remember that, preacher. That's because they're not listening anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we love to learn. In the book of Revelation, we want to know what the uh, wart on the frog in the log in the bottom of the sea is in the book of Revelation. Because we know that if we can ever figure that out, the whole world will wipe. Just open up to us, biblically. We heard that in a seminar. And, you know, I call people like this, the, the ones who stop fearing, they're callous. The ones who stop learning, okay, they're Dead Sea Christians. Everything's going in, nothing's coming out. And they will sit, their Bibles are full of notes. It's unbelievable. Somebody will come up to me, I, I used to love this, I, These are, they come up to me and, Preacher, you preached that two years ago. <laughs> so you didn't learn anything? <laughs> you know? Because they wrote it down. January 4th, 2016. He preached this for the third time. And pretty soon, we don't learn. All we're doing is we're hearing. James had something to say about that, didn't he? Don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. We left that a long time ago.
Haven't been back to that step, have we? And pretty soon, <laughs> you can only hear so long. You just get worn out. And pretty soon, the preacher can preach, and you can be in New Zealand. You saw that on the History Channel. And he's preaching away, and, and you've got New Zealand running in a video in your mind. And you have to break into that video to, to make sure that you haven't been sitting there too long and everybody's gone, you know. Preacher got through, you're still sitting there. The video's still going, bing, 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 you know. So we don't hear. Now, don't you dare look up in the ceiling. Some of you can tell me how many lights are in the ceiling. You have counted them so many times. You've patterned them. You know how many are across, how many are forward. You can multiply that. You've done it 40,000 times in your mind while the preacher's preaching. You know how many pews there are. You guess about how many people can be in them, and then you multiply it, and you know how many people could be in church if we were just right with God. But we can't remember the message because we stopped hearing. Now, folks, there's only one way to go back to where you were. And that's here. Learn. Fear. And then go and do. One syllable words. Every one of the kids in Awanas could read them for you. Doesn't take a genius. But it does take an obedient Christian. Tonight, my final message to you is this. Whatever you've not been doing, start doing. And all of a sudden, that conviction will come back. And you know something? You'll love it. Why? Because God's working in your heart. And you've been missing that so much. You come to church and you say, bless me, preacher, if you can. And there won't be any blessings because we've not been obedient. Now here is the bad part. Your children know it. Yeah. They can pretty well say, yeah, dad goes to church, but I don't know, he doesn't seem to get much out of it. They know. They know. Your wife knows. Your husband knows. There's nothing spiritual at home. If the family is going to get something spiritual, they've got to come right here. Because this is the only place where they get the spiritual blessing. Because, well, you know, we don't want to cause our children to have, you know, we, we want to we make sure that they've got their choices, you know. There's all kinds of worldly wise reasons to feel comfortable 
not hearing anything from God. But folks, I'm telling you right now, the greatest experience of life is when you listen to the sermon, you learn it. doesn't take long. Most sermons are simple. You know, they are. Point A, do this. Point B, do that. Okay, you know. And then God touches your heart. You know, you were listening to pastor read the letter today. Some of you, God touched your heart about that. And you say, you know, I, I really ought to put an offering in for that, brother. But, well, I got things to pay and things to do. What do you think God gave you your money you think he gave it to you so you could hold on to it? He gave it to you so you could be a channel of blessing. Or maybe pastor gets up and says, Hey, this Saturday, we're all going to go to do this. And you used to do that. Did you know that? You used to come to it. But, you know, things just happened. It's the way it is. It's life. All the worldly wisdom begins to root out all the spiritual gain we've ever made. And folks, I'm telling you right now, the greatest joy is when you come to the church and you anticipate hearing. You prayed Sunday morning, oh God bless preacher today. I need something more than what I'm getting from the word. Oh, may he be just right on target for my life. Had a young boy come up to me today. <laughs> this is so fun. Uh, we we went, what was it, where did we go? Westside Christian Academy did chapel there. And after it was over, this kid ran out of the pews up to me. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but... God has been speaking to me about being a doctor in medical missions. He said, I prayed last night. Last night. He said, I prayed that God would help me to figure this thing out. And here you are in my chapel service. He said, I can't believe it. Well, neither could I. You know, I mean, those are two... Things that are too wonderful for me from our passage last night, right? You just can't explain those things, you know? And oh, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, only God. So it makes me want to run back and hear, learn, fear, and do. And then I want to get right back up there in the hearing again. Because there's more to do. Folks, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And we are God's ambassador to men who are at war with God. And he's made peace. And a good ambassador always works in behalf of his king. And those people don't know that God's made peace for them. They don't know that Jesus has died for them to make peace with God. All they know is he's a Jewish guy that they hear about all the time. 
but you could be the one that would change life after life after life because you became obedient to being an ambassador, to being constrained by the love of God, to engaging in a prayer life which is unbelievable, and to have a vision of God that causes you to fall to your knees in obedience. By the way, and I close with this, that's godliness. Did you know that? When you read the word godliness in the New Testament, would you remember this? Godliness comes from a Greek word which means to fall before a greater power. We think it's doing things, don't we? When you say, oh, he acts like God. No, he falls before God. God is his power, his strength, because it was used of a warrior fighting. And when he would defeat a foe, that foe would come and acknowledge his superiority. Are we so godly in our lives that we are willing right this moment to fall before God and do what he wants us to? I hope so. I hope, I hope we've been a blessing. You have been to me. Uh, I've loved living where you put me. Uh, if you want to put me there a few more weeks, I don't mind. I mean, I'll be glad to stay. Uh, and I've loved the food you fed me. It's wonderful. Again, I, would, I don't mind staying and eating. You know, it'd be fine. Uh, I might even bring my wife out for a few weeks, okay? Uh, you've been so kind to me and so gracious and so good. I hope that the messages have been a challenge to living the life for the Lord. Tonight, I would ask you this one thing. Would you surrender to do everything that you know to do? If you would, this altar's open, and this is the place where it all starts. Because before God and everybody, you are saying, Lord, I want to hear you, I want to learn, and Lord, I fear you with my whole heart. And tonight, I pledge my whole being to doing everything that you want me to do. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray now that you would work in our hearts and minds. I pray that we would understand this message that Moses left, one of the most important messages he ever gave. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to obey it. In the quietness of this moment, we're going to stand to our feet. If you would, rise. And if God touches your heart while the piano plays, and you would like to come here and bow and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You come now, okay?
seated. And uh, Jonathan, would you just take a moment and pass out our prayer sheets tonight? Normally we have our prayer service on Wednesday nights and we'll take, I'll close us in prayer here in a minute, but I want everybody to have the prayer list so you can take these and be praying for them. We've had some great challenges this week. We're ambassadors for Christ. And that That is something we, we don't get days off on that. That's, that's a all the time responsibility. We're God's ambassadors, His representatives here in this world. And we need to be a praying church. Oh, we've been challenged about that this week. Hope you'll take these prayer requests. You'll read over them and then you'll pray and ask God. There are people that are listed there that need to be saved. Would you pray for them that they'd be saved? And then would you go and share the gospel with them? There's people on there that are sick, people on there that have other needs. Let's be praying one for another. What a great challenge tonight. Just fits right in with following right after what we heard last night, that we not just hear of the work of the Lord, but that we see the work of the Lord ourselves. I don't know about you, but I want to see God work. I want to see God continue to work and see God continue to great th- do great things. I want to experience that in my own life. I want my children to experience that. And uh, I hope someday my grandchildren experience that too. And that only happens as we're faithful to do what we heard tonight. To hear, and learn, and fear, and do. Do. And when we fail in that last part, the do... Then it just starts rolling backwards. What a great challenge tonight.